right, everybody. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Four Guys in a Comic. Now, with us today, as always, well, maybe not always, but this time go around, we actually have Mike with us. So, Mike, welcome. Hello. And then, as always, of course, we have Alex and Michael. Welcome, gentlemen. Welcome. Hey, hey. Oh, thanks. Yeah. It's kind of sad that we have to welcome uh, uh, Canadian Michael separately. I'm sorry, guys. He's been a busy man. I'm really sorry. Where have you been I'll all be, my life, I'll be baby? More, I'll be more regular now. <laughs> Ongoing. <laughs> He's been eating his fiber, so he'll be regular. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So one of the things that I kind of wanted to discuss this week, we had some new releases that came out. And, uh, well, by the time you guys hear this recording, it'll, they'll have come out about a week and a half, two weeks ago. Um, and that is none other than Thanos and Moon Knight. So let's discuss Moon Knight first, just because I know there's a lot of stuff to discuss on Thanos, and I feel like that's probably going to take up the majority of our time this evening. So let's just real quick, let's dive on Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming, has everybody read Moon Knight? Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So me being a Moon Knight fan, obviously I was very excited. And the cover, though, did you guys feel like the cover was misleading? Yep. Yeah. Mm, yeah, you can say a that. A little bit? Yeah. I mean, okay. it's going to happen. Yep. I, I guess. So what is it your, happens a lot? Yeah. <laughs> Let's be so what is your guys's thoughts on it? I, I'm intrigued to see where it goes. I mean, general consensus. Yeah. I, I'm intrigued to see where it goes. Yeah. I mean, uh, I started off reading the issue. And I'm like, what? What is going on? What am I reading about here? Did I really miss something between you know Lemire stuff and this? But by the end of it, I was I, I was hooked. I was completely in. I just love the concept of it. Um, Jason Burroughs artwork I'm a huge fan of so much detail and it's just great I can't wait to see um, to see some more some more action I mean there was a little bit in issue one which was great I loved it um, he all the horror aspects of it were fantastic but I mean the concept of um, I, I, I hope there's going to be more of these Egyptian gods showing up in you know in, it in sounds humans. like it I mean super cool uh, I, I'm a big fan of that kind of stuff so it, it got me right away well, at the end of the issue. Issue one, I'm I'm going to be reading more for sure. Awesome. Alex, what were your thoughts? So, I've never really read any... I mean, I've read like an issue or two of uh, Smallwood uh, Moon Knight. But I've never really gotten into the character. I don't really know much about the character still. Um, from what I understand, he's like a pyro, but he's... I know he was schizophrenic but he can also i guess manifest people into his body almost is that right well well the the character in the first issue is not um mark specter who is moon knight it's um it's this other patient that this psychiatrist has taken in okay see that was my main thing like i said i don't know much about moon knight um but i was curious about like okay this guy looks like jesus um he's religious <laughs> and actually i thought you looked like rusty oh. <laughs> it's my it's my comic debut uh, yeah. uh patient 80 was it 86 mm-hmm. yeah so um overall the issue i mean was pretty good i it made me curious to read a second issue um but a lot of it i guess just i didn't know who people were and i didn't know if that was like if no one knew who these people were like uh we had this psychiatrist or whatever who was apparently head over heels over uh this patient here just trying to get into his head and stuff 
Um, but you didn't really see much from the Moon Knight character, I guess, itself. There wasn't a whole lot of action yeah, in this. Not at all. Like, at all. No. Not at and, all. And um, no. I guess it was just, you know, I mean, it's setting a story. This was the first issue of yep. the legacy for it. So um, they went back to 188, the number for it. And um, yeah, I mean, like you said, the cover was a little misleading. Um, I thought something more would happen to it. But the art in it was pretty cool. And it almost reminded me of, um, I know, I don't know if you've ever read it, uh, Tap, but I know Nova has. But it reminded me of Crossed Art, dude. Like, Yeah, uh, J- Jason Burrow does a lot of stuff at Avatar. So he's got that, that whole um crossed avatar vibe i'm sure he's done issues of cross too so yeah but i mean like just like the biggest thing that got it for me and it might have gotten it for you too nova was um the scene or i mean the panel where um he has the blood all over his face and there's the writing over his wall and he's just like smiling and Mm -hmm. i was just like this is like a crossed zombie right now yeah or or when um when they they have that dream sequence where you actually do get some action, which was great, I, uh, mm-hmm. I was so cool with the the mummies, uh, and then he takes his mask off again, and it's that sort of vampire possessed face. I was like, yeah, that's um, that looks like it's from you know an Avatar comic. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, that and that was by like thing. I mean, that I, I'm gonna say it right now, it turned me on more to it just because it was something else that I related to that I liked a lot, you know. Yeah, and um. Overall, I mean, it, it more so just leaves me curious in this issue to find out what all uh, Moon Knight can do, I guess, basically, and uh, how it's related to all these uh, Egyptian gods or whatever. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be uh, be interesting to see how this progresses. Like I said, I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, so, Mike, Michael, what did you think? I'll be honest, uh, I didn't care for it all too much. For a first thing with uh, Legacy, I expected more of a wow factor. It, I didn't see that wow factor in there like I thought there would be. Fair enough. I've never, I've never been a huge Moon Knight fan. Um, there's certain things here and there, but uh, the thing that intrigued me the most, of course, was at the end with the Egyptian God stuff. You know, how, how I've always enjoyed that kind of stuff. I, I could see if that portion of it uh picks up and continues i could read more of it but that's the only thing that caught my attention to tell you the truth was that uh, aspect of it uh, the art i thought was pretty well i did enjoy the art within it uh the writing was pretty good for the most part it just didn't really grab me mm-hmm. right off the bat like i ex- really expected i was really expecting something oh my god wow yeah yeah you know yeah. but it, it 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 fell short for me there fair enough no i, I can see that yeah, yeah. Yeah. So wait, Red, did, have yeah. you ever read any older uh, Moon Knight? Like, oh, of course. Okay, did you like like if you read like the seventies, or did you read some of the Smallwood stuff? Or uh, let's see, some of the seventies, a few issues here and there, and then some of the stuff that Tap turned me on to that came out, uh, I think, a couple years ago. I'm not sure if that who that's by. Was uh, it the Lemire probably stuff? Jeff Lemire stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah Lemire, Lemire. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, that stuff was good. That was solid. Okay, so moving. So general consensus, I think we can say from all four of us is, in a nutshell, Moon Knight. We're interested to see where it goes. It wasn't mind blowing, but we're intrigued, and we'll see where it goes. Is that fair mm-hmm. to say? General mm-hmm. consensus. Yeah, I gotta yeah. ask yeah. you though, Tap. Um, have you been keeping up with Moon Knight until this point, or is this you jumping back into it? Oh no, I read all the Lemire stuff. Okay. 
You know, a lot of people were kind of surprised that they did this. Uh, some people thought it was going to get canceled. I'm glad that it didn't get canceled. Like, I'm a, I'm a Moon Knight fan. I, I like Moon Knight. I think he's an awesome character. With uh, There's a lot of different directions that, yep. that writers can take Moon Knight. And I'm definitely interested to see where this one progresses. It, it has potential. It's definitely got a lot of potential. The thing is, though, is that I was getting a little bit of a Lemire vibe from it. And I don't... It's one. It's a legacy issue. Two, Lemire's done. He did his thing. He's moved on. I don't want a repeat of Lemire. It was great, but I don't want a repeat of Lemire. I want something different. Um, so I'm a, I'm a little nervous because it did feel a little Lemire to me. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Yeah. And like you just said, it has potential, but to me, it has potential to go either way. It go get really good. Or it's going to get really bad to where it's going to get canceled after another 10, 13 issues. See, that's the thing with me, too, is I have, like, this vibe, man, that I mean, like, because it's not just the story, but the character itself. Moon Knight is a character. I mean, it has its own little specific, like, kind of cult following for it, you know? Uh, You don't have a bunch of people running around being like, oh, I love Moon Knight. Moon Knight is the greatest character ever. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And yeah. it's true. You don't see very many Moon Knights on Halloween or a cosplay at Comic-Cons or that kind of stuff. Mommy, I want to be Moon Knight this year. You should, though. Well, that's just weird because <laughs> the costume is awesome. I figured if anything, yeah, people it's just epic. love oh, yeah. the yeah, it is. Speaking of the costume, uh, real quick before we leave the subject of Moon Knight, Philip Sevy, um, mm-hmm. he's been on the show before. We've messaged quite a bit. Um, he released a couple images of uh some moon knight sketches that he had done and uh people were kind of big fans of these like designs that he was doing so he introduced a he called it a new moon knight character which is like a female moon knight who kind of could potentially be um the the therapist from moon knight but Mm -hmm. the thing is he's not the artist on moon knight so is this like just fan stuff is he like trying to get marvel's attention with hey look what i'm doing is he you know i'm intrigued and i i should honestly i should just message the man and ask him but uh, i'm surprised you have it to tell you the truth i know it's it's kind of fun to speculate with people though in the rooms and kind of get everybody's opinions first before i get the official answer Mm mm-hmm it has been kind of fun so moving on from something that we've deemed is interesting and we'll see where it goes uh to something that i think i can honestly say blew us all away mm-hmm. um and i gotta say i am beyond shocked that oh. it blew me away not i mean it's donny cates but it's nothing other than thanos um is it issue 13 is that right yep, yep. Yeah, it's weird. yeah, issue 13 donny cates's first issue on thanos it's Ooh. weird mm-hmm. because like you said um we're going from Jeff Lemire, uh, Moon Knight to a new one, from Jeff Lemire, Thanos, to Donny <laughs> Kate. So it's just yeah. a... Correct. Yeah. And everybody that knows us on the show knows we love Donny Cates. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, Very good we were reason. all interested to read this. Uh, Rusty being, you know, Alex being a huge Thanos fan in general. Uh, myself, not so much. Um, I think the character's cool, but I just haven't read anything that really gripped me. So I was like, eh, we'll see how this goes. And... Alex, you were like, dude, you got to read it. You got to read it. You got to read it. All right, whatever. It's Donny <laughs> Cates, man. You got to read it. 
And I gotta say, I was so skeptical when I picked that up to read it because, you know, we all know Alex and how he gets super excited when he reads Hyperion. something. And we, and we see <laughs> yeah. pictures posted of every page that he's reading all over, you know, the social media. Oh my gosh, look at this panel. Oh my God, look at this panel. I'm thinking to myself, okay, I need to read this. And he's excited, but I haven't seen one panel. What's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I'm like, okay, you know, it must not be that great. Then I read it and it's like, Oh my God! Give me so more. Cool. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was epic. As as a <sighs> Marvel cosmic fan, this was like just panel after panel of excitement for me, man. I was from the first page. It it, it doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. What what Kate's and that Shaw do? Work. Oh my goodness, Jeff Shaw's incredible. I was gonna but say yeah. that the the artwork it reminds me so much of like Ron Lim. It's ridiculous. Mm. It's so George good. Perez, even. Yes, I was. I mean, I'm looking at. It, I was comparing it to, you know, the, the the that mini guy. I'm having a brain fart. You know, the one we talked about in the podcast way back when. And I'm thinking about. I was like, oh my god, this artwork is almost to that level. It's just like the details are just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like. I don't want to obviously go through page by page, but like the first page I open, I'm like, oh, words. There's text all over the place. But you end up reading it, and it's so epic, and it's like <laughs> you ask all the heroes, and what are they like? What do they think? How they think the world's gonna end? What they're afraid of? And they they mutter as they put their heads down. Thanos wins. And I was like, dude, that's so cool. That's what everyone's yeah. afraid of. At the end of the day, it's always that Thanos is gonna win. Yeah, that's the thing but, he always yeah. does, in one um, way or another. And just, like, the way Donny Cates describes things as he's going through, like, oh, the Chitauri have these amazing forces and all this and that. You're like, damn, these guys are pretty cool. And you're seeing, like, all these dead Leviathans and stuff. And you just, you get to that page of Thanos just standing, like, right by the throne. He's got his head, he's got his foot on the king's head. And it's just, like, this is, it's so cool. It's so great. It's the the best way to write Thanos. The, the details with the snow with the snow of blood uh-huh. and everything oh just like my oh gosh, my god yeah. so and not even just the art details the way he wrote it yeah. and described yeah. it it was incredible i think one of the coolest parts and it comes right off of nova's part there is with the king and he has his foot on his head and he's like i know what you're gonna... he's like kings don't beg and then he just oh, squishes the... <laughs> his head and then all of That's a sudden so cool. it starts like raining blood and it's just like smeared oh, all over his goodness. face yeah. and he's like oh he's my smiling. god he's smiling yeah. and he's like this smell <sighs> so i know cool. this smell and i was just sitting there i'm like is it lady death and then it's not is lady it the phoenix death. force is it the is phoenix, it the phoenix <laughs> force maybe? what is it all of a sudden what's making it rain <laughs> yeah. blood and then it's just like and the coolest thing is even though he doesn't know what it is he just has that big stupid purple grin on his face the yeah, whole time yeah. it's just like running mm-hmm. down his face and stuff yeah. and it's like this is the Thanos before you right re- here that we need before you reveal before you reveal i gotta ask what is what was everybody's thoughts when they when they phoenix read that i thought it was me. phoenix first... i really did think it was the phoenix yeah. just regular phoenix mm-hmm. it was i thought I was thinking, of, I... it was sort of spoiled for me uh, beforehand so uh, I, you I knew going in my first thought was death. I'll be honest. See, that's death was my second the, thought. Well, that makes the most sense, yeah. you know. Well, mm-hmm. I, I saw the fires and I'm like, all right, that's probably the Phoenix Force or something. Mm-hmm. But another cool thing about how it starts raining blood, and I'm sure Thanos is happy just to be feeling that blood raining, but he's like, there's someone else up there doing something right now that's killing all these things and making it rain even more blood. So I'm excited to fight this person. 
So it's kind of like this great page where it's like a combination of everything that's badass about Thanos just sort of being drawn and written just perfectly. Yeah, so cool. Now, when he wrote that, remember when we talked to Donnie, he said that uh, he was listening to some like crazy dark music and stuff as he was writing this. Um, and when the part came up with raining blood, did anybody else wonder to themselves, was he listening to Slayer? Oh, yeah. well, he, he, sa- he said he was also <laughs> listening to the sound of like empty like space, 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 space. Yeah. yeah. Which I mean, Hey, I was like, he, man, yeah. You know, it, it worked. So, so big reveal. It's been out for a couple of weeks. If you guys haven't read it, you're slacking. Yeah. Uh, so big reveal, the character, it's not Phoenix. It's not lady death. It's none other than one of my personal favorites, Ghost Rider. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the thing. We don't know which Ghost Rider. It's like Ghost Rider from the future. Future, yeah. 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 That yeah. was like, what? And I know I was like, well, I had to do a double take. Wait a minute, let me read that. Did I read that right? I, <laughs> from the future. I, I feel like, I was going to say, I feel like there's hints in there. As to who the Ghost Rider is, because it's not like Robbie Reyes, it's not Johnny Blaze, no. it's not um, D- Danny Ketch. Um, you know, it's it's a new it's a new writer, basically, is what they were hinting at. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there was hints in there that if you are like a hardcore Marvel fan, you might have got them. I didn't, um, but I feel like there's some in there. Like, there's just certain things that were said that's kind of like, hmm, I wonder if that's a hint. See, that's the thing with me. Okay, now what we know about this Ghost Rider so far is it's not just I, I he is not just a normal Ghost Rider. Okay. Oh no. If you're reason saying he's cracking jokes. Okay, which is weird for it. But then he also has Sidorak bone chains mm-hmm. and. He has the power cosmic as well. And a piece of the time stone. And a yes. piece of the, yeah. Yes. So he is one of the infinity stones. And yeah. so he's got it all going yeah. for him. And the, the thing of it is, is that it's like, what character could handle all this stuff while still cracking jokes? And in Star-Lord. Future Deadpool. <laughs> See, that was the thing. I was like, this is written like it might be Deadpool, but then he's not cracking as many jokes. Like the, he's kind of cracking jokes like Johnny Storm. I mean, uh, Johnny Blade or no, Johnny Storm or um, Peter Parker, which is weird, you know? So here's the thing. I, I feel like every, I think everybody initially, honestly, God, I think everybody's first thought is Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think it's too obvious. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's I think that's the point is that they want you to think that it's Deadpool, but it's way too obvious of a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got to thinking, and this is my official guest. I'm going on the podcast, putting this down. This is my official guest. The new Ghost Rider is none other than Hydra Bob. That's my guess. <laughs> Hydra Bob. That's my guess. That could be. Do you think Hydra Bob can hold an Infinity Stone? He's the Ghost Rider, man. That's he true. can do anything. That's very true. I don't know. I don't think it's some. I think it's. I don't know. There is a history with Deadpool and Thanos, though, which is mm-hmm. the thing. And that's why that makes more sense to me. But I mean, at the same time, yeah, it does. He's swearing. He's cracking jokes, and it's uh, too obvious, though, to be th- uh, to be Deadpool. I just feel like that's too obvious of a choice. Yeah, maybe that's the maybe that's the, the throw off piece. Everyone's they, like, they want you to think that it's too it's obvious. It's too obvious. Can't be him. <laughs> oh wait, yeah. 
But from what we know from Donnie, he doesn't always do the obvious. Yeah, no. mm-hmm. Star Lord. Okay, my uh, my next my second guess is Star Lord. Mm-hmm. That could mm-hmm. make sense. That, it's those two. But what he, we what we know now too also is that he's from the future. So it's like, can Star is Star Lord going to last that long into the future? Right. Or well, is it, it going to be someone yeah. that doesn't die? Basically, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. So. Well, I mean, w- once you become Ghost Rider. Uh, we'll we'll see. Either way, I'm excited. Yeah. So great, great ending to the issue too. Oh my goodness. Okay, so this uh, leads me. Tap, are you there? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I had to let my dog out. I'll have to jump back out here in a few seconds to let him back. Okay. In. Well, I want to mention something real fast. Um. So tap me and you kind of had a uh, conversation about a future cover that I showed you. Um, where it showed Ghost Rider, and it showed um, an older Thanos, and then a Hulk. And you said, oh, I don't think that that's legit. But now do you think it's legit? I think it's more legit than what I initially thought it was. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, initially, when we saw that cover, I said, there's no way that like Hulk is going to be somebody's bitch. You know what I mean? And Because honestly, that's what that cover... He was like, fanning him off or something, if I remember mm-hmm. right. Um, I was like, there's no way. But seeing it now, I'm like, all right, this is definitely a brutal Thanos. This is not your grandmother's Thanos, okay? This mm-hmm. is not Josh Brolin Thanos. This is like... You're this dude, Donnie Cates. Yeah, yeah. This is Donnie Cates' Thanos. This guy is is brutal and hardcore, and I can honestly say, for the first time, I think ever, um, I'm really excited to read a Marvel cosmic book. Um, I agree. I've always wanted to. Get, I've said this before. I've always wanted to get into Marvel cosmic universe, but I just have a hard time getting into it. Like I don't know why. I don't know what it is. I just have a difficult time, and. Uh, this one gripped me immediately, first issue, and blew me away. I'm just saying, depending on who this Ghost Rider turns out to be, it could also end up being a first appearance issue. Technically, yeah. I mean, well, it's going mm-hmm. to be a first appearance issue no matter what. It's just, yeah. Is it somebody that people care about? Right. If it's a new character or not. Yeah, it, it, technically it is. So, will it go up? Will it become more sought after? Is also a it's question. It's going to end up being Rick Jones. <laughs> Rick down. <laughs> but no. I mean, overall, I mean, I guess me being the Thanos guy, I was really happy with this issue. I mean, I was oh, I'm I, sure I, you I were. was really happy with it. The, the, the art is what sold me the most on it. I haven't had that old mm-hmm. school like vibe art with these characters in a while. And um it seems like Donny Cates is making uh Thanos the uh badass that he needs to be again. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it, it is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Looking forward to it. So I think next month when Thanos 14 drops, we'll, we'll definitely have to revisit. So, okay, so general consensus on this. I think we're. I think it's safe to say we're all in love. The four guys give it the four stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah it's, it's, got, it's got a four star, five star, ten, whatever. Eight thumbs up, right? <laughs> Go read it. <laughs> Eight thumbs up, man. Yeah. yeah, no, it's really good. So, awesome. Well, do you guys have anything else you guys want to discuss this evening? Um, I got to say this real fast. Um, I caught up on Venom, and uh, Tap, you need to read the newest issue. 
Yes, I am behind one issue. I have not. I have not. Uh, yes, I am behind. Mark one Bagley issue. art just keeps getting better and better and better on Venom. It's like he's getting into almost, his groove with it again. Like he he's been away for it for so long, and now he's like he's like back into it, which is like this. It, it just feels and looks so good. Yes, and real quick, just to mention you since you are discussing Venom, um, it has been announced. Mike discovered it actually. Um, I think it's in June of next year. Um, the Venom Omnibus. The Venom Omnibus. It's just gonna be an. It's just gonna be the. Yeah, it's the Venom Venomy bus or something like Ven- that. Ven- it's all- a Venom Omnibus. Venom Omnibus. That's it. And uh, all it is basically is all of the miniseries and short story arcs thrown into one massive Omni for you. It's gonna be cool. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna be stoked on it, especially. Um, I, I looked through the uh, little uh, thing like of what's collected in it, and um, it has a lot, a lot of really good story arcs. And I'm just gonna go ahead and uh, I guess give it a little, um, a little promo, not a promo, a little uh, plug right here for it. And I know it's it's a while away right now, but I mean maybe just to convince y'all to give it a try, especially you know Nova and Tap since they uh, they collect these things. Um, something with it that i really enjoy is that most of it i'm i'm gonna i really want to buy it but most of it i've already read um i own most of the issues that are in there and i've read paper copies of each one um but it does collect um separation anxiety and carnage unleashed which is a little bit of a harder series to find um separation anxiety issue one has a really really like sought after popular cover so even though it doesn't really cost that much it's a really cool cover that people kind of like try and go out and they just collect just for the artwork itself and finding that series in the wild is actually it i mean it's not impossible but it's pretty hard to find like you know every issue i mean you may find one or two issues but it's hard to collect like the full thing uh, which is really cool, and it's collected in this. This also has, like, the mace. It has Funeral Pyre. It has Lethal Protector. It has the Madness, which is not that great, even though it's Venom versus Juggernaut. Um, it has Hulk versus Venom, which right. was a mail-away, and it is one of the coolest covers, Hulk covers, I've ever seen. Um, it's got, like, the little, like, holographic, like, webbing and stuff. But, I mean, it was a mail-away, so it's not like something that you're just going to go to your comic shop and probably find in a, a bin somewhere, yeah. you know what I mean? And um, that story's not that great either. But, I mean, like I said, it's a cool cover. And, um, yeah, just overall, this is a really cool collection of a lot of early to mid-'90s stuff before Venom started getting weird. Um, one little thing that I'm kind of surprised they didn't collect is they stopped collecting in it before The Hunger, um, which was a 97, I think, series of Venom. And it was actually the first one where he actually like went through and ate somebody. Like he ate someone's brain in it. And that's not collecting yeah. it. So this is like Venom up to the point of where he was kind of cannibalizing people and he got a little over the top before Matt Gargan came in and everything else. It's a good representation of Eddie Brock as Venom. Yeah, I think, I'm pretty sure it said there's a, a volume one attached to the name of the book, so... It's possible Ooh. we'll get a volume two with like who knows maybe it'll go all the way through Agent Venom stuff, which I cool. wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind that one bit at all. Like I said, uh, Venom didn't really get super weird until the early millennium, and I mean, th- even though it may not, Eddie Brock's my Venom. I know Taps Venom is Eddie Brock. Also, um, some people love Matt Gargan. Like Matt Gargan's their favorite 
and um that would be probably it's weird to me it's weird to me too man but i would assume that that would probably be in a volume two or volume three mm. yeah yeah i don't know how matt gargan is somebody's venom yeah i don't know if that's i could maybe I see like real. an agent venom somebody being like oh agent venom i could kind of see that i guess too but mac i don't see it and he looks so weird he's huge he's like even though it's not the 90s it looks like a life-filled venom <laughs> He's got like this tiny misproportioned head. It's just, it's bizarre. Yeah, no, true story. Like, um, and that's the thing all the time. I know you guys that, uh, you know, talk to us online chat and everything else. Um, I get it all the time. I'll be like, woo, Eddie Brock. And they'll be like, no, Matt Gargan. It's just like, stop, uh, stop. No. I think maybe they're just trolling you. Maybe that's what they're doing. <laughs> Probably. Probably. Maybe. Hopefully. Let's hope. Strange we'll, troll. we'll chalk it up to trolling. Yeah. But no, uh, I hope that you and uh, Nova tap uh, buy that uh, Venom thing, man. It's oh no, cool. for sure, son, for sure. Oh yeah, it's it's on the list. Oh yeah, I'm definitely getting it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's on the list. That one and Carnage. That'll be cool too. I can't wait for Carnage. Carnage is probably gonna be a little bit thinner, but it should still be good. All right. So, oh my Michael, gosh. So you're up one thing that just list, really hit home with me. You know, I've been reading Fantastic Four like crazy. And I hit issue 285 today. It's one of the last issue in the uh, uh, John Byrne run. And I'm going to tell you, it's probably the best Fantastic Four issue I've ever read, as well as the best issue written by John. It just really was just amazing. I know I've been putting it out there. I did a uh, YouTube video on it. And I just, anybody, anybody who's a fan of good storytelling has to read this. Fantastic Four, issue 285. Um, basic premises is about you have this 13-year-old boy named Tommy Hansen who is the hugest fan of the FF, uh, particularly the Human Torch. Just loves his Johnny Storm and idolizes him completely. But, you know, he's bullied and picked on at school. He's a, um, basically, you know, neglected by his parents. And he loves, you know, the Human Torch so much he sets himself on fire. All right. And towards the end, Johnny gets to meet him and talk to him before the kid passes away. And all the stuff that goes on even afterwards, you know, that it just really affected Johnny a lot. And just the way it was written and the story all put together with the artwork, I'm telling you, anybody who loves a good story has to read this issue. It's it's not that long of a read. I mean, you can read it in, a, you know, three to five minutes. But I'm telling you, if you're listening to this, pick it up. It's an issue you will never, ever forget. So. Well, good news for me. That is arriving in an omnibus. Yes. Yeah, well, when you read it, you got to hit me up. Tell me what you thought. Yeah, definitely. Especially as a father. You know, it's, you just read that and it's like, oh my gosh. And, you know, it really I, it affected me a lot. And I even started looking into it. And one of the rumors is, you remember the uh, 1978 cartoons with the FF? Yeah. Um, and how the Human Torch was replaced by Herbie? Um, yes. Yes. One of the reasons was because they were afraid that kids would actually set themselves on fire um, like the Human Torch. Which yeah, is, I could see that. Yes. And so um, through my through looking through it, you know, there's people that say it's true. People say it's false. But in the end, John Byrne capitalized on it to write the story. And he did such a wonderful, wonderful job with it that I just can't preach it enough that please, if you're listening, pick it up and read it. Sounds like it hit you right in the feels. It did, it did. I'll tell you what, man. Fantastic Four, granted this one was the, the Hickman one, but Fantastic Four is like one of the only comics that has ever made me cry. 
Well, this issue right here will make you cry. I guarantee it. There's just something about Fantastic Four. I don't know what it is, man. There's just there's just something about the team and I know it all has to do with the writers and whatnot, but like Hickman's FF, like it, it seriously made me cry. I don't Mm -hmm. think I've ever had a comic that made me cry like that before. And I was like, why am I crying? I was like, you're not crying. Shut up. Like it was (laughs) was bad. Yeah. Like it was, but it was just so moving. It was incredible. It's the, it's the family aspect of it, man. And I mean, we're talking Mm -hmm. about Hickman and Byrne. These guys are masters at what they do. So that is true. Oh yeah. Well, anyways, that's that's my I'll get off my soapbox. That's just one thing I just had to passionately talk about this week to get everyone out there. Please read it. Fantastic, yeah. dope. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely definitely excited for those. But um, all right, well, I think that's gonna wrap things up for this week. Um, we have an interview coming up that we need to reach out and call someone. And uh, we're pretty excited about it, so hopefully you guys are too. And we're going to discuss some uh, X-Men the Animated Series. All right, everybody, it is that time of the podcast where we bring to you our weekly interview. Now, this week is a special treat for us because we have the husband-wife team, Eric and Julia Leewald, showrunner. Okay, Eric was the showrunner of X-Men the Animated Series. That's right, the show that you grew up watching as a kid, he is the showrunner for. So, first of all, among many other shows that we'll dive into as well, but first of all, welcome to the show. So you, Eric, you were kind of the showrunner for X-Men the Animated Series. Um, how did that get started? Like, how did that come about? Well, uh, it was uh, about the best luck a human being could have. The night before it was uh, uh, announced that they were, we were going to do an animated show, that, that Fox was going to do an animated X-Men show, um, I thought I was going to be doing working on a different show for Fox. I'd worked with a couple of the people at Fox before on, on Beetlejuice and a couple of other yes. things. Yes, love that. It's, it's, so I knew those folks, and they knew and trusted me, and they just decided, I guess, that I was the, the tool they wanted, the style they wanted for the show, and called up and said, uh, you're doing X-Men, uh, come and meet you know, Haim Saban and Stan Lee and all the Marvel people tomorrow morning. And I said, okay, great, but... You know, I don't really know the comic book. And so it was, I had like, you know, 12 hours to phone up real fast. And it was pre, it was pre-web. So I was calling all my comic, all my comic book friends and say, look, I, I've been reading, all, you know, I, I know the, who the Fantastic Four are. And I've read a lot of Spider-Man, but come on, fill me in. Quick. Quick. So yeah. It's, uh, I need it a was, five minute presentation of their history. Yeah. Exactly, but uh, the, the, the short the short answer is uh, I'd worked with the people that uh, whose show it was on a pre- previously, and they they picked me, and I'm forever grateful. Yeah, I think it's I think it's safe to say the people that watch the show are as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. X Men the animated series is probably one of the most like I love the the old Saturday morning cartoons, and I can tell you right now, X Men the animated series is probably the number one on almost every kid's list. 
Um, I mean, it still holds up today. As a matter of fact, I was binge watching season four earlier this afternoon. <laughs> like, it's so yeah. good. It holds up to today. You know, it's just, it's amazing. Um, Eric, I did have one quick question though. I wasn't able to, as the one episode I was watching today in season four, it was uh, the one with Juggernaut and uh, the nerdy kid gets the the Ciderac gem. Was that Rob Paulson that did the voice of the nerdy guy? I don't think so. Because uh, okay. we know him, and I don't remember him reporting. It, the the since you know, our cast was all Canadian, okay. and so uh, that which is uh, at the time seemed like a frustration because we couldn't be up in Toronto when they were recording. But uh, no, no, he was. Uh, it might have even been the uh, the uh, voice director Dan Hennessy that was doing the nerd voice. The, okay, uh, it just sounded a, kind of a lot like Rob Paulson. I was like, I wonder if that's Rob. Yeah, Eugene Wiederspahn, I think, was the name of the little nerd guy that got big all of a sudden. Got <laughs> okay. That's awesome. All these episodes, and you knew exactly which one I was referring to. That's awesome. <laughs> that is cool. Yeah. That is cool. After twenty years, but in you know writing the book, I you know I I, I watched them you know, over and over, and you know wrote about them. So yeah, I, boy, I I got them. They're all in there. Even even the weak ones. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, no, no humility here, man. There were there were some that didn't quite do it. I can remember my first experience to this show. You know, it came out when I was I just joined the military, and I, I of course I didn't catch it. wasn't You know, I was too busy with other things, and it was probably not until two thousand and three. A friend of mine, we were talking about X Men. He's like, "What do you think of the series? On animated series?" I'm like, "What animated series?" He came over to my house, and we binge watched that whole thing in a weekend. And I'm just like, "Oh my god, what have I been wow. missing these years?" <laughs> What's well, great? So, so it got you when you were an adult. You didn't yeah. have to be ten to for it to really grab you. Oh, yeah, no, that's that's good. It makes us feel good. And since, and, and since then, I've probably watched it all at least three or four times. I don't know, but uh, I, I it is so good. It's, it's it's classic and timeless. It doesn't matter what age you are, you can dive straight into it and enjoy great storytelling. Well, one of the things that you know you, you think, uh, just having been a writer on the show, it's like it, 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 we weren't doing a cartoon. We were not doing a kid's show. We right. have a live action drama, hour length that happened to be half hour animated grown ups. You know? <laughs> yeah, we were writing yeah. for ourselves. We took it seriously. Yeah. yeah. And and we always we always figured, you know, we've been out here in Hollywood for a lot of years, worked on forty, fifty other shows. And almost every time the people that hire you say, You gotta dumb it down, you gotta write for little kids because that's our main audience and if you make it too challenging, they'll turn to something else. And we just always want to strangle them and tell them no, little kids will watch stuff that's more challenging. It's the adults. Yeah. So write, write up and let the audience aspire up, and you'll get everybody. If you write down, you'll miss everybody but the littlest kids. Yeah, yeah, and um, I think, I mean, since we're all giving our stories uh, of how we got introduced to the show, so I didn't watch it until about three years ago or so. Um, oh, I mean, it, sir. It, it started, <laughs> it started, listen, it started in 92. I was born in at the tail end of 93. All right. <laughs> so <laughs> I sort of missed that boat. And, you know, by the time I got older, there were different shows and all this stuff. But anyway, um, so it was a few years ago. And I remember just, I was in college at the time and everyone's talking about how they binge watch Breaking Bad and stuff. And I'm just, I'm there. I'm like, yeah, I'm watching X-Men. It's so great. I'm having such a good time watching this old show. I mean, the animation's a bit dated, but the stories Oops. are rock solid. 
Yeah, I was going to say it was a bit dated when it came out. <laughs> yeah. so. and I was like, no, nah, I can't be snobby. I should just keep watching. It's not like it's the uh, the, the even older Spider-Man cartoon. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, you're right. It absolutely stands uh, stands the age of time. And, and it, it is for adults, too. And I, I will say that's sort of lost with a lot of shows. I mean, um, the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, which I think, I don't remember when that came out, but that's a, a more recent show, was... You know, I felt like I could follow along with that and watch that. It had pretty compelling story arcs and whatnot. But, I mean, there's a whole bunch of shows that, you know, clearly aren't for adults anymore. We lost, like, you know, Young Justice, and now we got Teen Titans Go, which, I mean, I, I can giggle to once in a while, but, I mean, I wouldn't sit down and go out of my way to binge watch it while everyone else is watching Breaking Bad or Walking Dead or Game of Thrones. It's it's interesting because, obviously, this was a, it was a very exciting for us, uh, for the, all the writers and me, to be able to tell stories like this. It's not like there aren't hundreds of people out here in Hollywood that know how to write like this for adults. Yeah. I see it on you know Netflix shows and HBO shows. And this one time for about two, three year period, the people at Fox who were just as frustrated as we were about how dumbing down a lot of the shows were just looked just said, look, it's our, it's our network. Now we're going to you know write what you want and push the envelope and make it as challenging as you can. We'll, we'll keep all the people that are going to be scared to death, all the advertisers and all the affiliates and everybody, they're going to look at these scripts and say, what the hell are you doing? And you know, be ready to pull their ads. We'll hold their hands for six months until the show's ready, but push it and make it good. And so they made it possible. I mean, it's, you know, we did the writing, but, yeah. you know, I say we've worked on dozens of other shows, they don't, most people don't let you do this or don't want you to do this. And so we give all the credit in the world to Margaret Lesh, whose baby it was. She, she spent eight, nine years trying to get this on the air and had been told, no, 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 no. It's just in a bunch of... And this is when she worked for Marvel. Yeah, when she was working for Marvel, she was trying mm-hmm. to get this on the air at Marvel Productions. And none of the networks said, nah, nah, this is for nerdy comic book guys. That's not a big enough audience. No, but this will fall you know no way we have a big enough audience for for a marvel show we no no marvel show all right but then there was <laughs> oh boy the, i know the creation of brand new network which for those of us old enough once upon a time there were only three major networks you know abc right. NBC, yes and then in 8990 fox tv came along you know as a baby network and decided to have their own fox kids right. babyer mm-hmm. network yeah so and they... she was made the president and so they wanted to shake things up and get some attention. And so that's what allowed her bosses to let her try this. They said, okay, look, if you believe in it so much, we don't get it. We think the kids are going to hate this adult superhero stuff. But if you believe in it so much, try it. And if it doesn't work, you're fired. But we'll let you try because we're a new network. We're, 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 we're scrappy. We're, we're trying to get an audience. We're trying to get attention. Go ahead and try and that that opening was great. It was it was it's what let us do it. Yeah, I always I always find that funny that you know networks would say it's not going to appeal to everyone. I mean, comics have only been around for seven like seventy five years now, but even you know twenty five years ago it was still fifty. So I, I'm not sure what the the logic behind that was, and I'm sure everyone is burying their hands in their face now. No one's going to like superhero. Or comic book stuff. It's just half the half the entertainment we consume now visually. No big deal. Yeah. Can I point out that the concept of a superhero genre, a feature film, didn't exist until yeah. 
uh, 2000, roughly. I mean, yes, you had Superman, and yes, you had the original Batman, but those were you standalones know, that, at a time when that was a couple genres. That was a couple movies a decade, mm-hmm. and yeah. no Marvel movies at all. And I think part of the people out here just looked at it and said, I don't see how you can make movies out of this stuff. I just It's all internal. You've got thought bubbles. You've got a, a panel with 83 different, a dozen different people doing a dozen different things. Mm-hmm. It just looked like a, a movie to me. And they just couldn't visualize how, how to make it into a TV show or a movie. Yeah. And so we just said, yeah. screw it. We're just going to tell the most intense stories we can using these characters. And and it, it worked. And so they said, oh, okay, maybe we should yeah. try it again. Yeah, and I mean, animation also got you past that barrier of uh, special effects. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're able to basically do what whatever was on the comic book page and make it work. Sure, so, blow, up building, blow up buildings, go into people's yeah. planets, and go into people's heads. Yeah. It, it freed us up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned um, just sort of doing this huge binge read of X Men and trying to find out as much as you could. As it, you know, you kept doing the show. Did that rabbit hole get deeper and deeper of just consuming more and more X Men content? Or well, it was it was interesting. The the head writer and I, uh, Mark Edens, we were friends from college. We'd written together. You know, you get a great opportunity. You don't want to blow it. You you hire the people you know, and. You know, we just we really thought of, we were big like uh, uh, epic movie and and war movie and western movie. We were we were big epic movie fans, mm-hmm. and so we saw it as this big spectacular movie, peopled with X Men characters in an X Men world with X Men concerns going on. So it wasn't we never it's, it's it's a weird kind of way of looking at it. We weren't trying to adapt the we weren't trying to adapt the uh, specific storyline specific issues what would be the most intense story rogue could have what would be the most intense story storm could have and then used like the marvel universe reference book and used other things like to find out Mm, whose relationship was with everybody and and kind of built it from there so that was now on the other side half the people involved in the show were super x-men freaks like here larry houston was encyclopedic uh, Will Minyo, who designed the, the the series and was basically in charge of everything the first year as far as uh, the production side went. We had people involved that uh, really knew the X-Men backwards for that. We grew to know them from you know reading like right. But it just we came to it from you know let's let's learn who these people are and and tell as many fresh stories as we can, but using 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 elements from from that world because that was. One of the things we really respected the world that, that they came from. Why would we make up our own character when there is a character like this to pull from Marvel history? Mm-hmm. We wanted to make it as Marvel and X-Men as we possibly, possibly could without getting in the way of the storytelling. So speaking of uh, original characters and whatnot, there is kind of one original character um, from X-Men, the animated series, which is Morph. Right. Who is based off of Changeling. Now, I remember as a kid, I... Because that's how I knew. I was ten years old. Like I knew stuff from cartoons. You know, I, I wasn't quite into the books as much at that time, and so I used to argue with people that Morph was a legit X Men character <laughs> because of this show. Um, so what? I guess what brought on like creating an original character rather than like you know having Changeling on or, or whatever the case may be there. 
that, that was a double. Funny you should ask. Yeah. That, was, <laughs> that was two or three issues that all came together to, for Morph to come to life. One of them was Mark Edens and I, the guy that helped me lay out the first 26 episodes, um, who then got his own show, Exasquad. Um, uh, we just decided that first day when we sat down, we said, we got to kill somebody. Somebody, mm. X-Men team has to die in the first, in the opening story so that everybody around watching knows that there's some, that there are consequences to being an X-Men. They're not playing at this. This is real life. These are real consequences. And so we said, okay, who's, who's going to be the person? And so originally when we wrote it, it was Thunderbird got a copy of the first draft of the script and it shows, you know, Thunderbird goes here, Thunderbird goes there, Thunderbird goes, gets, gets killed by the uh, Sentinels. But that, but that was because Thunderbird in the books. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. Thunderbird had been in the books very shortly right. in, the, in the 75 rebirth. It was, okay, well, let's use a Marvel character. And then someone pointed out, someone pointed out, oh, geez, it may not be too smart to have the only Native American character <laughs> killed, killed right away. Politically correct. Okay, so fine. We're going to change it. And so I asked Larry Houston, who you had on, I said, Larry, who, do we have a minor character from the vast history of, of Marvel characters that has sacrificed himself for the X-Men, that has died in the service, the X-Men? And he looked and said, oh, yeah, 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 Changeling. You know, he kind of died helping Professor X survive. He impersonated him and he got killed, whatever. There was, he was only in a few a handful of comics you know, way back. And so then we wrote it as Changeling. And we got the storyboard. And if you look at the storyboard, it says, you know, Changeling does this, Changeling does that. And that was the character we ended up using for more. Then the attorneys called from Fox and said, oh, you can't use Changeling because DC has a Changeling. No, that's, that's right. And so they said, well, wait a minute. I checked. They said, no, wait a minute. The Marvel Changeling's two years older. They have the first mm-hmm. one. Give us a break. And they said, no, it's not even worth, it's not worth risking. Come up with a new character or at least a new name for the same character. So, okay, it's Changeling. Well, I just named him Morph. I just changed his name to Morph because it sounded fun. Yeah. And that, so it is, it's Changeling, but with a new name to keep the old. Morph fits really well. And he's, he was a character that, uh, you know, wasn't on the show for very long. Like you said, you need somebody that you guys could kill off pretty quickly. But to this day, if you ask anybody that grew up watching that show, everybody remembers those three episodes. Like, you know, for sure. Like, without a doubt, that was something that, like hit home to me. And I was like, oh, my God, like cartoon characters can die. You know, I mean, that was just mind blowing to me as a kid. And it, it stuck with me through to this day. So well done. Yeah, oh. I was going to say, like, even like going back, I started rewatching the series again, like last year or whatever and even waiting like you know that 10 plus years to watch it or whatever and then going back through those first three episodes and even as an adult it still hits pretty hard oh and then they, they, they go ahead oh it, and believe us it was not a stunt it was truly to show that the stakes are real and that this is a magic world with superheroes who can fly and all kinds of stuff but and, and, and larry larry houston really cut that scene because i I've, oh. I've written it a little more linearly he cut the scene this is part to because the censors were really nervous about having someone die, so it's got to be off screen. So since it couldn't really be on screen, we showed cut to everybody's faces, all of the X-Men realizing that there was something wrong and the audience knowing there was something terribly wrong. So you got to have the whole team 
grieving there for a moment. Say, oh my God, we just lost more. And that just, it, it worked out great. The uh, flip side of it is, you know, I say it took us a couple weeks of talking with the network's sensor who had complete control over the show. Broadcast standards. Broadcast standards. To get them to allow us to do this because nobody had ever done it before. And this was, you know, it's a kid's show. What are you going to do? Traumatize America and get a million mothers writing in that their children, you know, just saw somebody die. So they let us do it and we fought for it and it worked, we thought, really well. Then once the show started uh, showing in January, February of 93, about six or seven episodes in, they did uh, some research with kids about who their favorite character was. And we're sitting there just getting ready to start preparing for the second season, to write the second season. And we were, had laid it all out without Morph, because in our minds, he's dead. He's absolutely dead. Not cartoon dead, not comic book dead. He's dead. And we get this call from the network saying, Eric, I'm sorry, but guess what? Of all the characters, of all that we've talked to, a thousand kids... Morph was their favorite character. And please bring him back. Oh no! So we re, we adjust. We hated doing it, but we 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 brought him. We adjusted the second season so that he comes back damaged with you know PTSD. You know, even bringing him back, like you said, he was just like this dark tone to him. He looked kind of sickly and stuff. And, you know, um, that was something that was always cool with, like, almost any of the characters. And it's how much emotion you could just see in the art and the animation itself. And, again, this we had a, the show had a, a much smaller budget than, than other shows at that time. And yet, you know, everyone did their best work or did the best work they could do. And so, yeah, I like to agree with you on that. Yeah. They were comic book, real comic book geeks that, that had just decided themselves, look, we've worked on a bunch of shows that didn't work out that weren't, you know, weren't true to the comics. We're going to make this look and feel and sound as close to the books in our heart as we could. And so that's why the design still holds up, even though the animation is a little cheap and clunky, a lot of places, You know, we knew it at the time, and one of the things that that pushed us to do, Will Minio talks about it in the book a lot, is that we knew you couldn't linger on the images in the show like you could on Batman, because they were so beautiful in Batman, and the animation was so good. So he will purposely put in, like, almost double the amount of shots in a uh, 21-minute episode that that he'd, he'd done some boarding for Batman, so he knew their pace. And he just said, okay, we're going to make it go, we're going to amp it up and go double speed because that, le- and that'll be the heart and soul of X-Men. Mm-hmm. He's not going to pause. We're not going to linger on a, a gorgeous sunset or, or you know, Batman gently drifting down onto a rooftop because we can't, because we can't afford it. They're not, or we're not going to get the animation back uh, that looks like that. So right. we're make it quick and dirty, quick and dirty, quick and dirty. And that gave it a certain energy that I think it still has. Uh, our dear friend uh, Alan Burnett, who was kind of the godfather of the Batman show, uh, supervising Paul Dini and Bruce Timm and all those folks, he he remembers it and he watches the show and he says, you know, it's gorgeous, but it's it's kind of slow paced, and and it is, and it's and it's different. And we would have killed to have uh-huh. their budget and their animation, yeah. but uh, it is just yeah. it gave it made us work faster made us jam more stuff stories well i will say one of the best uses of budget ever for that show is definitely the intro theme song Mm. uh completely unforgettable 
I mean, whatever money was spent on that was very well spent, in my opinion. <laughs> great, not great, not again. The guy, there's, there's two, there's two parts of that. The guy that did it, Dan, uh, uh, my mind just went. Oh, Ron Wasserman. Ron Wasserman. The two guys with these strange German names. Anyway, Ron. <laughs> It's partly him doing it because it's it's all his composing. I don't know who got the on-screen credit for it, but it you know what? It was not Ron. Yeah, it was one of the only company you know screen credit for. It. Anyway, Ron wrote it, but it was two people just sitting on him, making him do 20, 30 different versions until it was right. And it was Cindy wow. Einwater, who was the crazed network executive. He supervised at the same time X-Men, Batman, The Tick, and Spider-Man. He was he was responsible wow. every word of every one of those shows for the entire run of their seasons, and wow. somehow survived to tell the tale. But he and Will Minio, who knew in his head this has to be a signature thing, it has to really rock, it has to really get the spirit of X Men across in the title. They sat on Ron until it was as intense and layered as it as it is. And Ron looks back and says, dude, I thought it was good the third time. These, <laughs> these jerks wouldn't, you know, let up. Oh, you all, you, uh, Will, Will and Sydney made, I, I, I didn't have a thing to do with it. It's wonderful. Will, uh, Will and Larry drew it. They, they drew, they drew that opening title sequence in like in two takes. Now, and wow. you just watch it. If you, it's the kind of opening sequence. If you love the X-Men books, it's a great opening sequence. If you know nothing about the X-Men books, it's a great opening sequence. Yeah. It's a wonderful introduction and a way of uh, quickly showing you a little bit about what each character is capable of doing power-wise and, and how that's been spun against them. I mean, it's, it's really a, just an excellent, excellent example yeah. of how to tell a story quickly and how to introduce everybody all at once. So um, you mentioned before that, you know, y'all didn't have that big of a budget and y'all were constantly, you know, trying to push out episodes and stuff. Is there an episode that sticks out in your mind at all that was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that we actually got it done? <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, there's, there's one. Because there are so many stages to getting an episode actually done. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, a this, lot of them could have yeah, It's usually, yeah, we, this is awfully fast-paced, but it's usually about six weeks from the time to say, oh, we're going to do... Uh, Beast uh, falls in love with the blind girl episode till it's it's been the you know premise outline couple of drafts of the script notes back from twenty different people and you get the final thing done it's six or seven weeks and then the board's about six weeks and so usually from the time you have an idea till the time you see a finished storyboard it's maybe three months and there was this one out the, the, out of seventy six uh, half hours. There was one script that everybody at Fox, at Marvel, because everybody would give us notes, and they okayed them at various stages. They, they just said, "No, this, you know, we we don't, we just don't like it. We don't see it." And I liked it, and I, the, the the writer who was writing it liked it. And what you usually do is, if they don't like the story when it's a one-page prem- premise or a ten-page outline, you cut it off there and you redo it heavily. So you don't have to rewrite a whole 40-page script. Well, I pushed these people into accepting a premise they weren't sure of and an outline they weren't sure of. And then the script came out, and they said, still don't like it. And I said, well, we've used up our six weeks. What are we going to do? Right. And because there's no more money. There's no more schedule. We can't make the people in Korea uh, you know, uh, sit on their hands. So I was hoping this would leverage them into just accepting it. It was a, 
uh, Omega Red versus uh, uh, Colossus story. But anyway, they just said, well, it's on you, buddy. This is Friday. We, we need a finished script by Monday. Mm. So just sat down on the weekend and wrote a 40-page story, the one in the, submar- the atomic submarine with Omega Red and Storm and Wolverine. Uh, kind of a simple story that, you know, usually that one I didn't, you know, I didn't know. I just handed it off. I had no clue if it made any sense by the, you know, the end of those two days writing. But that was one that obviously would, would have enjoyed having a little more time on, but put a little more nuance into it. But, uh, but yeah, that was our, that's our one killed episode. And I've, I still have the cover page um, somewhere. I've got uh, of the script that we wrote that I liked that got tossed um, with, with, it's called bring me, you know, bring me the head of Charles Xavier. Mm. For anyone else, a fan of those kinds of westerns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for people to get the reference. So I was going to ask you, what were some of the most memorable moments during that run for each one of you? Some of the, some of the something that just really sticks out in your heads, like oh my gosh, that was just a cool time or something like that. Well, it, it was, and but being a writer on the show and also with Eric as a showrunner, um, we neither one of us ended up going into. Uh, studios very often we, we were working out of a home office situation mm-hmm. basically everyone was at that time because Fox Kids was young and scrappy and they just didn't have office space for a staff to be in, in, their, in their office at that time but, and again there's a real lag time between you write something you turn it in, and then you're on to the next project hopefully or you're on to the next show so when the, when the first I, I, was, I was fortunate enough to do um, Days of Future Past Part 1 and got that in for the first season and then you think, well, okay, this show's strong opening. This show could, could do okay. And, but we're home, and it's 1992, and there's no message boards. There's no internet. There's no <laughs> kind of feedback. 1993, it rolls out in January. It's like, well, okay, we think it's doing pretty well. We get ratings back, and it looks like it's really doing well. But then one time, got to go into the Fox Studios, the main offices, where uh, Sydney Iwater and Margaret Lesh and uh, the rest of the executives were. And they've been running contests, you know, okay, kids, take over Fox Kids. You know, what do you want to watch? You know, and those those kinds of promotions that they had. Right. You know, kids send in a postcard to this address. With, you know, and I said, are you getting any kind of response to this? You know, uh, to a guy named Charlotte Fullerton, who was working there at the time doing that, who's now her own very successful writer. And she said, yeah, come take a look. And she took me into this hallway, and it was blind, floor-to-ceiling, packed with those sort of opaque postal boxes that mailmen put their mail in, you know, in the back of their trucks, yeah. were stacked as tall as they could be, packed, lining the hallway, and it was all kids writing in about X-Men mm. to Fox Kids, and this is oh. when kids had to get a stamp, they had to get a <laughs> they write it down, they had to get it mailed, I mean, I'd never seen that kind of, that, that kind of impact was like, my God, every one of these envelopes, or every one of these cards is a kid somewhere who's filled this out and sent it in. And that astonished me that they were motivated to do that. So that, for me, was a very fun moment. Did anybody ever respond back to any of them? <laughs> well, they all, got, they all got responses. There was Did a staff, they? small oh. staff there. And they all got, and they, they get a little Fox Kids Club card, and, and they, there's a quarterly magazine that I stole four or five images out of for the, for the book that they would get out, get out to the kids. And, yeah, the, we... We, we kind of knew that XN was going to be okay mm-hmm. when, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys know, but it was supposed to come out in September along with Batman in 1992. 
And uh, because of various production delays, uh, it didn't. It got a much, Batman had started a whole year earlier, so, you know, it just, it just couldn't quite catch up. So, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to show it in January, but we've got a couple, we've got the pilot episode ready. Uh, let's show that as a sneak preview on Halloween. So that was the first time it showed. It showed on sneak preview and got real good reaction. And then a few weeks later, they had a, couple weeks later they had a promotion with the kids club saying which which show do you want to see on for a special thanksgiving extra show and there'd been shows there'd been series that had been on fox for a year or two and there was x-men that had shown once and the kids voted more for x-men than all the other fox shows combined so they they reshowed thanksgiving because of groundswell of 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 interest from the fans it was great Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Well, that was the thing. Like, um, I remember watching it, like, coming home from school, watching it after school and everything, and just being like, this is the coolest cartoon. You know what I mean? So it's, like, no surprise that y'all uh, y'all did so well. Well, hearing that from someone who was there and enjoying it, that's that's very gratifying. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but no, and you know what? Looking back on that time, you had to run home. You had to be there to watch it. Unless your parents let you program your own VHS, you weren't allowed to, you know, you, uh, to set your VCR. You had to be there. And if you missed it, you had to wait for the reruns to come back. Four months later. Four months later. Yeah. It did yeah. not receive wide releases of VHS. And it wasn't until many years later, after it was off the air, that I got the DVD release. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was like appointment TV at a time when, you know, th- that was the, at the beginning of that kind of situation. Where you say, I've got to see this now. If I miss it, you know, I, who, what do I say in the playground tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I remember right. those days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how does it make y'all feel knowing that, like, you know, a whole new generation can see it now because it's on uh, Hulu? Right. Yeah, well, we, we've got that. That's It's good that it that's, continues to be out there and that continues to be popular. It's it's really it's gratifying. As you say, you know, we've we started our our uh, careers out here in the 80s but it's it's gratifying that something has continued to interest people you know this this intensely and it, it allowed us uh, to write the book because you know there are all sorts of other shows we worked on and we did our best you know we did our best that we could you know our work for it but somehow everything came together in this show for us for the artists mm-hmm network for it was just the right time and the right place and the right mix of people and which is a weird crazy thing if you're in the creative side of the business like how can i duplicate this <laughs> and you can't it just you can't it's it's kind of magic and yeah. i and hard to describe how it works but if anyone who's got the power because we haven't found out who it is yet uh can put out a blu-ray release of the series oh. was mm. that hey we we are we're ready, man. We we yeah, are ready. <laughs> Any extra you want, we got. You know, uh, yeah. But, oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah. So they just need to do like a whole like a box set where you get the book and then you get like the whole Blu-ray collection. You know, yes, maybe some like concept art and stuff. Well, that would be cool. They need to do that. They yeah. really yeah. <laughs> some special features and behind the scenes stuff. You know, maybe that'd shows. be cool. Do you have any of the original huh? storyboards? Uh, got all of them. Oh, my oh wow! There's See, you put that you know, into they're about, it. They're about they're about three hundred pages each, and <laughs> they're 
So yeah, uh, we've got we've got a lot of filing cabinets above our garage. That mm-hmm. is cool. And, I, and so yeah, we got all the and in fact in the book I tried there were like two or three I don't have. Mm-hmm. And in the book I tried I put at least one panel from from each episode when I'm talking about a specific episode I put a storyboard panel there so you know just as awesome. a, a fun fun deal. But yeah, that was it was one of the things that you know Julia pushing me to write this stupid book. Ah! It, you know, I, I wouldn't have gotten around to it if she had. She said, look, we've got all this stuff from the show. I mean, you know everybody because, you know, the cast is still there and all the artists and writers are still around here. And say, so, okay, yeah, let's let's dig through that stuff and, and find what and find what would make a good story. So, And also sort of the, the realization that, to the best of our, our knowledge, no one has kind of done a deep dive into X-Men the Animated Series the way they have, say, on, on good old Batman. Or Star Trek or something. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, mm-hmm. we dropped when we, we're, we're, old, we're old enough. <laughs> when we were tiny children, Star, Star Trek, the original series, mm-hmm. and that would be my afternoon, you know, to run home uh, for it and, and watch five times a week. And so, believe me, we get how uh, a show can just take, take you over. And... Just the fact that there are there's anybody that happened with X Men is just is really gratifying. Um, so it's because uh, you know you're you're we're as you said we're writing at home on a, in an office or on our dining table, and you go on to the next job and you go on to the next job. You don't connect or you know somebody that or a musician does where you play a good set and, and you get a sense of the audience enjoyed it. We you know when we hear from people like you guys, it's really you know it's really humbling. It's really nice to hear because. You know, we wouldn't otherwise. We would, yep. we would. We wouldn't know. Yep. Well, I just want to say also, Eric, that you in researching um, yourself and and whatnot for this, I I realized that you actually also wrote for a lot of shows that I watched as a kid. So thank you for a lot of childhood memories. <laughs> um, I mean, you did Beetlejuice, which was huge. Um, what? Oh, that's yeah. so cool. Oh, I love Beetlejuice, man. It's so good. Even my kids love it. It's great. Um, so yeah, Beetlejuice, Street Fighter, the animated series, which was epic, Mummies Alive. <laughs> These are shows that I grew up watching every Saturday morning. RoboCop, Alpha Commando. Yeah. Come on, yeah. I mean this is this is epic. So I didn't realize that you had done so much other stuff on top right. of X Men. I think that's absolutely fantastic, and like I said, it is a big part of my uh, childhood growing up on Saturday mornings. So can't forget one of my favorites, Johnny Quest. God, I love Johnny Quest. <laughs> I love, so good. I love the, the the original one came out nineteen sixty five. Yeah, and it was, a, and it only I, I watch it every they played every Saturday uh, near noon and wherever I, where I lived. And I didn't realize it only did a, like thirteen episodes yeah. at first after a bear one because I'd watch them over and over and over again. And then the chance got to when I was working in Hanna Barbera in the eighties, the new adventures of Johnny Quest. And just the idea that I get a chance to do one just was very cool. Yeah. It was it was fun. Oh, and you did uh, it was only one episode, and nobody remembers this show but me. But it was so epic. I even actually, uh, I found them um, years later online and rewatched. And it's great. Galaxy High. Galaxy High. Yeah, I love Galaxy High. Nobody remembers it but me. But I love <laughs> Galaxy High. <laughs> And Eric, Eric remembers. I remember <laughs> John Cristalucci did the artwork, and he, you know, who did what like Red and Stimpy and some all of this cool stuff. The, the story behind Galaxy High, which is very cool, which was not developed by Chris, 
uh, Chris Columbus, by the way, which is the credit. They just paid him ten thousand dollars to use his name. Galaxy Galaxy was produced by this by there's a wonderful animation company from Japan called TMS, and they did the highest end stuff for for TV at the time. They did the best of the Disney stuff, and they had a little bit of video office out here in Southern California with four employees, and it was my first salary job. I written a half a dozen challenge of the gobots for yes barbara and uh got this gig and i got an agent and got this gig working for tms with the galaxy high people and uh, they did mighty orbots before that and they they did a couple other good things but that i i was just working for someone there that would would loom large in my future sydney i wanted the guy the guy that was at fox that was in charge of all the cool shows at fox it was a spirit behind all the cool shows at Fox. He was the executive in charge of coming up with new shows uh, at TMS. And so I was his only worker. And we came up with 40 or 50 different show ideas. And this one sold to CBS. So Sydney and I came up with this show, sold to CBS. Then I was really pretty new to things at that point. So they brought in two more seasoned writers to be the showrunners on the show. And just when they got started, I did, I did one episode for them uh, and then went, uh, moved on to Disney at the time. So I just, I kind of was at the end of, uh, or moved on to, sorry, moved on to, back to Hanna-Barbera. So I, I just, but I had a hand in, in developing it and getting it sold to CBS. It was a very cool, it was very exciting. First thing I'd ever had a hand in 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 getting sold on a network and yeah it was was, i remember it as being a fun show but um just again yeah just one script yeah and julie i mean you did a lot of stuff too darkwing duck tailspin chippendale like you know that was all stuff that we grew up watching on the disney channels (laughs) that you both did work together on those i was a huge goofy fan troop is so cool yeah yeah Julia did more more Chippendales than any other writer. She did fourteen of them. Uh, no, and and Eric and I met at, at Disney uh, uh, afternoon uh, Disney TV animation at that point. And though, in a way, that's you look back on it and go, boy, that was kind of like the fun golden age in terms of uh, an experience for for either one of us or any other writers we knew there. Because getting to go into a Disney office every day with other folks and getting getting to play with these shows that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah. That was, and then coming out and getting to work on. Uh, a, a lot of, uh, I'm going to say the words, boys' action adventure, but in terms of being of projects being categorized that way, that I was able to write on those as well. Um, you know, here we are 25 years later, and guys, you know, the lessons that we learned in X-Men the animated <laughs> series, you know, that women are just as powerful as the men, if not more so. You know, mm-hmm. that Storm has got these killer powers that Rogue will take you out. You know, why we've already had this discussion. Why can't we be nice to each other now? Uh, yeah, and also, I mean, all the ones you were mentioning, all those event, uh, the action shows we did right after X Men, um, Street Fighter, Mummy's Alive, Robocop, Alpha Commando, uh, Hercules for Fox, oh, and Brian Gosling. Julie and I ran those shows together. Yes, yeah, true. So it wasn't me running shows. Those were were absolutely joint efforts, and uh, uh, so that's it. Happened that that I got X Men solo, but once 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 we were done with that. Pretty much all the rest of the shows have been the the two of us together. Oh, that's cool. That is awesome. Yeah, yeah RoboCop was another one. David Sobolov. Oh, that was, that was epic. 
Yeah, he's fantastic. Is is RoboCop? Um, that's actually funny. I didn't realize Ryan Gosling was Young Hercules till just now. You said something. I was like, what? <laughs> it really? Ryan Gosling was Young Hercules. That is hilarious. How odd is that? Yeah, he was a skinny little seventeen-year-old when he got the part. His mother had to go down with him to New Zealand to to do the shoes. Yeah, but and, you, yeah, you could tell even then though he had it. He then he, he he had it then, and he had to, they bulked him up. They like drew muscles on his arms and gave it, <laughs> airbrush, airbrush. airbrush. They, they gave bulky clothing so he wouldn't look so skinny. Wow. Uh, he was man. He was great. He was he was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So do you guys have any upcoming projects or anything that you guys are working on or writing on that you can discuss? Well, I'm going to jump in here and put in a plug for the book that Eric has. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, please do. We haven't to do that yet, but uh, Eric has spent the last three years diligently going over all the materials we've had around the house and then interviewing all the folks, you know, uh, uh, the the voice talent, the executives, the artists, the writers, um, people who – because – Guess what? 25 years have passed. Yeah. But so with that, Eric has created the book that we now call Previously on X-Men, The Making of an Animated Series. Ooh. And if you've got any questions with any luck, this book will have answered them. Uh, and it, at the very least, it provides what I consider the most thorough behind-the-scenes uh, look at the show that I've seen anywhere. Uh, he's included um, art from the storyboards, concept art, uh, memos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Notes back and forth from studio execs. I mean, and um, very candid stuff. Very candid stuff. Definitely uh, a labor of love. Oh, yeah. Definitely a labor of love. And so the, the shtick is for us to take it on the road and try and hit some cons and some fests in the next couple of years uh, to to sort of uh, get the book out there, hopefully. Yeah, but it's much interested. Yeah, it just, it just came out and it's available worldwide on Amazon um, or through the publisher, which name's Jacobs Brown. And the publisher, this first run of hardbacks that they that they just got in a couple of weeks ago, um, they had me sit down and sign three or four hundred of them, so that if you buy through the publisher, you get a, you get a signed copy. Oh, oh wow. awesome! It is available on Amazon, but just to let you know, those are not signed copies. Mm-hmm. Uh, signed copy, yeah. order through. And, and it's hard it's hardback or soft cover from Amazon, and it's. Uh, and they're going to have the Kindle in about a week, and I think they've cut the price five dollars for for Black Friday weekend. I don't know. You guys will have to check. They they said they might. I I haven't I haven't looked. Yeah, it looks like they did. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's uh, as far as stuff in the future. We've been writing for other people's shows a lot the last couple of years because it's kind of hard to commit to a series. While I was trying to get the book done, it's just like right. each one's full time, um, and so we're going to have to get back into that. May have to may have to wait another six months or so to, to get the some of the con uh, circuit under our belt before before we take on another one. But I'll I'll say this: there's something on the horizon that would be delightful to the two of us. Oh. Can't say more than that. But gentlemen, maybe we can talk some time if that goes forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We'd love Let's to have you guys back. Love to. Okay, if that goes forward, we'll let you know. Please <laughs> do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the book just because, I mean, you can, you can listen to some podcasts, you know, I mean, Kevin Smith way back when had like Bruce Tim on the show talked about the, the, I mean, the animated series, but it'll never be as comprehensive as this, like just to find out what it's like to make an animated show. Cause I mean, a lot of people have no idea. We just think 
you know, they got some guy drawing and animating all this stuff, no big deal. And some people write it. I mean, it's especially something that's based on comic books. People would assume, oh, it's all just in the comics already. And you just basically copy-paste, which I imagine is definitely not the case. Like you mentioned, you know, there's movement. There's a bunch of stuff going on. Um, so just for that aspect alone, I mean, I've never done anything in animation. So being able to, to learn about, you know, what it was like to make this huge show, that's, a, that's an experience all in itself. Well, good. Glad to hear that. Thank yeah. you for that. Oh, and also, we found each other through Twitter, and we are there, Eric and I, at, yeah. X-Men, at X-Men TAS, which is for X-Men, the animated series, but X-Men TAS on Twitter, and then we have a website, xmentas.com, where Eric does a lot of posts, and I try and link everything that we, you know, all the different articles and things that are coming out about the show, and just, and then also we have a page on Facebook previously on X-Men, so if anyone wants to follow us, we'd love to be followed. All right, bub, that's going to end our show. That was Eric Luwald talking about his new book previously on X-Men. Now, hold on there, bub. The four guys want to come in and say their thank you to Julia and Eric Luwald as well. Also, if you're looking to get a hold of them, be sure to check out the description of this podcast under the little recording above it. It depends on what you're listening to us on. But go look into the description because we have information on how you can get previously on X-Men. And we have some uh, ways that you can reach uh, Julia and Eric through their Twitter. So be sure to check the description and the four guys will see you next time.